for joining me for this special um, mini series for So Here's What Happened. And we're going to be discuss discussing episodes three and four of Lovecraft Country. And episode three is The Holy Ghost. And episode four is A History of Violence. So before we start, can you um, let everyone know a little bit about you and, how, and your what you do as a writer and your and tweeting, you know, in general? <laughs> Hi, I am Kelly Terrell. I am a culture uh, writer, uh, journalist, um, movie enthusiast, and a horror lover and horror filmmaker. So Lovecraft is, Lovecraft Country is the perfect um, combination of all of my interests and loves. Um, yeah, I, I write for Elle and Vogue, and I've written for the New York Times and Essence and The Root and all that good stuff, and I'm just really happy to be here. Right. No, no, no. I'm also the communication strategist for Me Too International. Yes. Uh, it's an organization that um, focuses on survivor, uh, sexual assault survivor healing. Um, it is amazing. I've been there for less than a month, but it is one of um, the most loving and um, amazing places that I've worked in, I don't know, the past 15 years that I've actually been working professionally. So I'm really happy to be there and I'm happy to have a place that loves that I have other interests outside of doing what I do. And so it's great. It's, it's a wonderful balance. Mm, yes. So we're going to get into, as I said, episode three first. So episode three is entitled The Holy Ghost. And now for many Black people, whether we grew up in church or not, when, like, for me, when I first saw the, the episode title, I was like, oh, okay, we going here. Because, you know, in our culture, like, when you say, we catch the Holy Ghost, you know, <laughs> it, you know, somebody's going to catch the spirit, as we say. And it, I was expecting some kind of spiritualism to be going on, but I was not prepared. I was not prepared. I was glad we didn't. <laughs> because I am, I grew up in the church and I was always very, I'd be one of those people who would just like look at my mom and be like, that bitch does not have the Holy Ghost. She's literally <laughs> putting on a show. And I feel like that's how I am. Like, I don't, I don't believe those people. I don't. Yeah. Like, so I'm glad that this is not all of that. <laughs> right. So I'm glad that that's not what this was. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that like this was, I, I love that it opened in church. Yes. And I'm, but I feel like this was an episode that really allowed for us to explore what does black spirituality um, look like? Because mm -hmm. it wasn't just about kind of the Baptist, Methodist, African-American Methodist, like whatever, African Methodist, uh, Episcopal, like whatever it is that we believe in, it, it let us go outside that. It was an interesting episode. Yeah, the way I saw it, because as you said, it, it starts out with, um, Letty in a church and she's at the funeral or as we say the home going for Uncle George and I got kind of emotional because it reminded me so much of church back home in Barbados but this black church in general because I, I, I haven't been to church in a while but you know still here in Canada and it, it for me it was about it could be a funeral but the way how black people we start we, we always find a way to find the, the good in in whatever bad situation is happening so at a funeral like you like like it could be super sad, but then once you get get into that gospel music and you get into that song and you get into the community, like it, it becomes a celebration, and that's what the episode looked like for me at first. But then you I, you pay attention to Letty's face and you realize it's gonna be way more deeper than that. And then it kind of shifts tone because it showed her and her sister Ruby walking along this picturesque street in Northside Chicago, and and we're like, and then it, and they let you know immediately, oh, this is all neighborhood and she's going to be buying this what we call a haunted house a house that no black person would willingly move into unless right. 
it was given to us for free. And when you later on find out, technically that is what happened because that's the first thing my first time. I'm like, you want to, I was like, you couldn't pay me to move into a house like that because black people would be like, nah, we don't play, we don't play with demons, we don't play with Well, I don't think she knew that any of those things were there. I know, but we look at the, we look at the house and that's, that'd be, I'd be like, I'm like, so, I'm like, some going out of the house. I mean, Ruby was just like, this place is a dump. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm from Chicago. You know, I think that people, I think if you're not from Chicago, I think it's real. I think people don't really understand like how like racist mm. and like segregated um, Chicago is like, um, I mean, I love that I'm from there and I, you know, grew up in the suburbs as a child. I lived as an adult in Chicago for six years before I moved to LA and I have to tell you, um, it's still racist as fuck. Mm. And I think that, like, um, for me, uh, watching the episode just rang really true of how people would behave. And I think there's always this kind of concept or this, this like, misconception that, like, oh, the North is better. And it's really not. Mm. Which we'll see in episode five, which we'll talk about later. Um, I mean, for me, I felt like Letty was really naive about like why first of all like why would you want to be in a neighborhood where it was just you exactly i thought the same thing too. i thought the way she brushed aside ruby's concerns so easily was kind of a little bit unrealistic considering everything that they had been through previously because ruby mentioned she's specific to mention we that to a black couple was nearly killed like just a month ago in the in the next town over from moving into an all-white apartment and you're moving into an entire neighborhood full of white people and and the way how Letty was just like, oh, forget it, we're gonna just have this amazing house. And I'm like, mm. yeah, I feel like, yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't know if that's just her being naive or her just on her light skin nonsense. That's also, I think, because, I think a lot of her stuff is because she's light skin and she has, she looks at the stage. Yeah, she is constantly on some light skin nonsense. So like, you know, just like in episode one, where like Ruby was trying to tell her. I mean, Ruby doesn't say Marshall Fields in episode one. I think she talks about it in episode three, but when she says, I'm trying to get that job at that store downtown, Letty jumps in and is like, well, I, you know, I could apply there. I could get that job. Or she, or she says, I could apply at a job. And she's like, I, and that's when Ruby was like, oh, I've been applying. And she's like, well, you know, if I get it, I can. And it's like, wait a minute. That was episode one because they did that. Yeah, the, that was episode one. Was, yeah. But when she says that, she recognizes that her being light-skinned would get her that job way before yeah. it would get her rubies. And I think that she's always on her light-skinned nonsense mm-hmm. every episode. I agree. And, I, and I think that, like, her thinking that she was going to move to the north side, her thinking that it was going to be okay, her thinking that she was going to infiltrate these spaces, um, these violent white spaces, she could have easily have taken that money and lived and bought a house on the South side. I find it interesting. And like you, I don't necessarily believe it, but I think at the time there were still black people who were just like, we want to live in these neighborhoods. And when I moved into, you know, I I was born in a predominantly black neighborhood and we ended up moving to a predominantly white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we were one of a few black families on the entire street. Mm-hmm. And people say the same thing. Like, why would you want to move there? Why would you want that? I mean, so I don't think it's like totally unrealistic, but that was the difference between 1984 and 1955. Like, yeah. yeah, the reason so- that part didn't really feel 
why to me, it, like, I think the writer didn't really think about that part in particular is because it happens right after the funeral for Uncle George. She, she saw Uncle George get killed by this white man, right? She saw what Christina is trying to do, and she saw what the sons of Adam were trying to do. I'm like, why are you taking, why is she taking the, why is she taking this so lightly when she's seen the violence that white people have perpetrated on black people? So that's why that part kind of didn't ring true. And so then like, they move into the house, and again, this is, um, I was wondering, like, I'm like, I, I tweeted this because I was like, I'm convinced this woman's hat, like, either this girl's mama is gotta, has gotta be white. I don't know, like, I'm still trying to figure out basically. No, she's not. I mean, I, I, you I, know what? Is the mom or is, is the mom that's um, black because, like, she and Ruby share the mom, but it's their dad that's different in that, that, that big because they're half sisters. So it's the dad that's white, right? That's what I'm guessing. Because I'm like, for sure. Yeah, I would, you know what, to be honest, I would have appreciated it better if they just had the same father. Because I also feel like people don't, so like my dad is lighter than um, Leticia. Mm-hmm. And he has siblings that are as dark as Ruby. Yeah, yeah, my brother, when he was born, was a white baby. Like people taught my mom was the babysitter because when right. I look at pictures, he looks like a white child. He was a white child up until he was like three, he was white until he was like three years old. Then he, then he got dark, so like, but like dark. But I would have liked that kind of like, dynamic yeah um better um because i feel like it is very believable to me that letty and ruby could actually be sisters with the same family like with the same parents and i feel like um i would have maybe appreciated that more but i've only seen up to episode five that perhaps the father having different fathers will be part of the the storyline i don't know yeah i think i think because i think that's part of where their resentment comes from and that's also a thing where if they're going to do it they have to be careful because again like my my sister my twin sister and i and our brother our brother's 10 years older but we have different dads so my my brother's dad is not our dad but like we grew up my our mom raised us together like i i half of the time i have to remind myself that he is what we would say is my half brother because i but i don't think of him as that way right and, and i'll tell people oh he's my brother and like, i remember one time his mom was oh he's your half brother i'm like no he's not and she was like yeah but you have different brother different dads i'm like yeah but he's still my brother she's like but he's your half brother i'm like right so like i didn't see why they needed to have the resentment so that's i'm hoping that that really i think them being different, yeah i mean i think them being different skin tones is enough yeah um because like i said letty's always on her life's bullshit yeah um, and I think she's just also a very messy, complicated, actually horrible person she, at times. And, and so I feel like that's enough, but I don't know. Mm. You know what I mean? And I also don't know what the book is about her. Like, I don't know what the source material, like, I don't know if that, how that plays out in the book. Cause I haven't read it, even though like HBO sent me the book, but I haven't gotten to it. <laughs> well, you got the swag set. I didn't get the swag. Well, Next time, next time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next time. Um, so, yeah, so I feel like, you know, outside of her being so naive about the Haunted House episode, I really still really loved um, episode three a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little jarring of how we jumped so far into the future, like three weeks, not so far. It's not like a Walking Dead jump or it's like, <laughs> like six years later. You know what I mean? But like, it definitely felt like um, a little jarring, only because 
I watched all of the episodes together. Mm. I was like, wait a minute, where, where are we? You know what I mean? Like, how the hell do we get to this house? And it just, it makes sense now looking back that that's how the book is, that it feels, this is what I've been told, I could definitely be wrong, but that the, the book isn't this linear book. It's more like these different stories about them doing things. Yeah. Necessarily like. Connected. Right, that aren't necessarily like, okay, this happened yesterday. Um, yeah, and aren't connected. But, um, so that was a little jarring. But other than that, like, I really liked the episode a lot. I feel like haunted houses are my ministry. <laughs> I feel, and this is the thing, is that this is the thing that I've said before, and I will continue to say again, is that Lovecraft Country, every episode gives you something very different. It does. The, like, episode one and two felt very, like, X-Files. It felt very, like... Mississippi burning. It mm-hmm. felt very like those things kind of mixed together with monsters and aliens, dreams about aliens, yep. and, you know, crazy white supremacist white people. So it felt like very, in those kind of ways, very dangerous. And I feel like episode two all then felt different because there were, episode two felt different. It felt like a little bit like Hannibal meets like these weird fucking like masons, like yes, felt very. What was that Tom Cruise movie? Um, Eyes Wide Shut. Not Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. The one where like the Mona Lisa. Where I don't know what the fuck that was. Oh, okay. uh, oh you mean like National Treasure? But no, I oh, was saying episode four okay. is more like National Treasure. Episode four is more like National Treasure and Indiana Jones. It felt um, yeah. So that felt like. So yeah, so every episode gives you something different. And so like, I loved episode one. I thought it was a perfect pilot. I really, I thought episode two was a little wonky. It's not, I think it's their most unevenly paced episode. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not evenly paced and the tra- and I think the transitions in from almost like a drama into like a, um, this, as you kind of say, into like this Hannibal, lecture kind of mason kind of thing is is it didn't feel natural um but the but the ending of it is the best part of it where it's right. like that and i think that's yeah. where it kind of redeemed but i also think so much of the magic it, it's real it doesn't make sense <clears throat> and, and i have to tell you that i think that building a world like this is the hardest thing that anyone who writes television can do mm. because there's all of these rules this is a brand new world. You don't understand. And this reminds me of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, okay. I would watch Sleepy Hollow and I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, but I'm here and I'm here for it. And I don't know what these rules are because how do you, like, you can't. You just got to just be like, all right, I'm just along for the ride. And I feel like that's okay if it pays off. Um, sometimes with Lovecraft, it doesn't. I feel like... Um, but for the most part, it does. I do feel like episode two was a little difficult because it was like, why does this person want to live longer? Why does this matter? And I feel like those questions weren't necessarily answered. I, I, I'm wondering if those questions in particular, because they, they I, like I was telling um, parents, I said, to me, the episodes aren't linear in how they connect to each other. Like episode one connects episode three. And I think episode two connects a bit to episode five because like the the art the, the particular um themes in them um have are specific so episode two the like the whole that whole story with um 
with Christina, when she's talking to Tick, she's talking about um, how she wants to be in this space. She wants to have, she has a white woman wants to exist in these in this space for white men because she's more powerful than them. And when we see episode five, like that part connects to the entire. But even episode, episode one connects to episode five. So like, ep- you know, when we get to what's the same Montrose when when we get to Montrose, kind of coming out. Um, it wouldn't have been impactful had we not had episode one where Tick goes to the bar and sees the bartender getting, you know, getting a blowjob because then now we know, oh, and the thing is that like, I kept wondering, I wonder why this is important. Mm. Like, I wonder why, like when episode one when that scene happened, I was like, I wonder why this is what they, what, why we need to see this. It's true because, but the thing is, is one thing about, one thing I love about Lovecraft Country is how everything matters. Everything. And I, and I love a show when, when something that doesn't pay off now pays off like three, four episodes later. That's, I, like, I, I'm always talking about Korean dramas, but the reason I talk about Korean dramas so much is because there's... Oh my God, you talk about Korean dramas a lot. And, I, and the reason I do is because they're so well made. And when these, when these writers really get in their bag with these scripts, like you, something can happen in episode one and this shit does not pay off to the very last episode. And then you will be like, oh, but it's worth it. it and I, I think, yeah, I think that is a strength. Yes, definitely. I think that that's a strength of Lovecraft. I think that they plant these seeds and they definitely pay off. Um, Yes. So I think that planting that bar scene pays off in episode five. Yes, it does. I think, um, you know, I even in episode four, because the guy that I thought was completely unnecessary, he mentions, um, he says something to take in the, um, in the museum and he, and, and take his like, and it was kind of like a throwaway comment, but it got into Tick's ear because of what he has seen at the bar. And he remember at the end of episode four, he asks, um, he asks, no, in the museum, he asks, uh, Montrose, how do you know this guy? Because he's wondering if he knows this guy because he's he was from the bar, right? So like that one little comment got into Tick's um, psyche, and he's like questioning how every relationship his dad has with a man is it because of this? But it all makes sense. So even like in episode two, where Montrose was talking to um, Uncle George and was like, you know, I used to get beat or whatever. It's really clear why he got beat. It's not really clear. Let me say that. I felt like there was, I didn't pick up. I didn't think it was because of that. I thought it was. But look, no. When he says that, like, he had that colorful sign Mm -hmm. and he would go to the station where the players were coming, he was being flamboyant. He was being something. And so, like, and and I was like, "Mm, I wonder why he got beat and the other brother didn't. And I, and you know what I mean? And so those things, so when episode five comes, Oh, I can't wait for episode five. Oh my god! You know what I mean? So, like, episode, well, so in episode when it came, I was like, oh. oh wait, hold on. So, oh, are we? How are we getting talking? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. So, well, whatever. Let's go back to uh, let's go back to episode three. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, yes, people who are listening, um, as you can tell, episode five is the episode so far. That's the one that is gonna have Twitter lit up, like. <laughs> and by the time they hear this, they'll know why. Okay, but this um, episode be episode five, but we can kind of segue. We can actually kind of use this to segue into episode three, because in episode three we see how Tick's relationship with Hippolyta is strained. And and it's because of Uncle George and the relationship he has with Uncle George. And because his relationship with Uncle George, 
is hinted that it has to do with Montrose and it's hinted that um, that Montrose might not be Tick's dad, that it might actually be Uncle George. Well, we already know it's Uncle George. Yeah, we already know it's Uncle George. But the thing is, so the reason this is going to tie into episode five, because your light is going to be, you're, you're going to be wondering how this spoiler gay man decided to to take on this this child as his own and why not Uncle George? So No, because they were married. So the fact that his wife was his beard. Yes. And this is why everybody knows. So I'm going to tell you this now. I bet Hippolyta knows. I think everybody knows. Mm -hmm. I think that to have this wife was a way to be safe. Yes. And so, you know, I mean, and it was supposed to, you know, Uncle George can't say that's my son because then that breaks, you know, then that gives away the facade of the fact that, like, Montrose needs to be in this, like, straight-looking relationship. And, and, the, and the mom was Montrose's wife, so Montrose married his brother's girlfriend and raised their baby as his own. So, right, but remember, Uncle George was already married. Right, so they, it was an affair. They had an affair. An affair. And, and that's why Hippolyte is all salty now in episode three, because she's like, your daddy dead, you his love child, why are you hanging around me and my child? Right, I think that's her thing. She's like, oh, she definitely knows because even in episode one, where he says to her, you know, next time you should come with me, the reaction that she has, it's not a normal, it's not a normal reaction of being like, okay, it means something to her more than what we know, and hopefully we'll find out. I, I've been wondering if Uncle George got a string of kids, love kids all over the. No, I don't. I don't think he does. I think that this is really just about. His true love was probably was probably Tick's mom. Yeah, um, you know, and also I, you know, we we need to know more. We need to. There's that. so much. We have five more episodes, and there's so much to get into because. Um, so and then going on into episode three, um, like because in episode three we also see Hippolyta at the house party, and the thing she and she says something to Letty at the dining table because Letty was like, "Is everything okay between you and Tick?" And Hippolyta is just like, "I don't want to talk about him," right? And Letty is like okay, I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, that, that she's like, that's you and his business. And then she goes to look for, for the, for the little girl, Diana. And, but I, I, I was just like, Hippolyta was salty the entire episode, but that episode reveals something to me about Hippolyta and George. I am wondering if Hippolyta has supernatural abilities because when she went to the room where the, or the, or oh, that thing is the orrery or <laughs> the thing with the constellation, the constellation machine, the door opened by itself. Now we know this house is haunted, but why did it open for her? And why did and it seemed like she was drawn to it? And in episode four, we find out that she she took it with her, and she's trying to figure out the way how to unlock this thing. But I'm wondering that's going to play if, into future episodes. I yeah, think. I'm wondering if she has some kind of supernatural ability. Well, everybody does. I mean, everybody does at some point. So yeah. I feel like I feel like it wouldn't um, it wouldn't surprise me. No, for sure, because I know that I know Diana has some kind of abilities because when she drew the map for them for an episode one, she lists things that even they didn't know. Like remember, like she the the little um, clue, the little indexes she put on the map and the little images were things that she would have had no business knowing what they were. Like mm-hmm. she had the Grim Reaper, she had the the monster drawn on the map. I don't, oh, like, I, don't even, I don't even, I didn't even 
that didn't even like. Yeah, she had them drawn on the back. And I'm like, how this little girl, well, and none of them, I don't think, picked up on it because when they got to the location where um, where Letty's brother told them everything, everything he was telling them was already on the map. And Ooh, Letty's like, brother was annoying. He's a, he's a dude, she's a jerk. But I want, who's his daddy? Oh, wait, yeah. Maybe the same that maybe he and Ruby are more at the same are at the same that yeah. I mean, I don't know. Letty is so horrible. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean episode three, like like we're going back and forth, but I feel like episode three was definitely my ministry because I am a haunted house person. What? I just had a what? I know. Wondering if dad I'm wondering if Letty's dad is connected to Christina. I think we're assuming he's white. And, I think we're assuming he's white, and we shouldn't. And, and and this is what I'm gonna tell you: is that the reason that we shouldn't assume that he's white or whatever is because we don't. I don't know who Ruby's, what Ruby's mom looks like. Ruby's mother could look just like uh, Letty. I mean, we just don't know, right? So, like, I don't want to say that Letty's uh, father is white, or because, or if not one of her parents maybe her mom is connected to christina because the fact that christina is the person who put the money for the house into no that was just that that wasn't about her that was uh to get under tick skin i really don't think that that has anything to do with yeah she's using letty as a way to get it yeah that's true but i don't know the reason i'm saying is because like literally everything in this darn show is connected somehow to the to the blinking breakaways so like if she turns up to be connected to christina herself that wouldn't surprise me and if she and if it's just again applied to get to take um again that's that wouldn't surprise me and maybe it makes sense for her for what's happening with with ruby because you know instead what? of fucking with ruby they could have fucked with mon with montes montrose whatever yeah so i don't know maybe you're right i don't i don't know this why christina different. didn't try to go up to montrose as william but also because Montrose knows all, I think Montrose as we as well, Montrose also ain't trying to fuck with no white man. That that's too. Oh, this is true. And also yeah. because Montrose knows way more than even we've known so far into episode. Yeah, four. and I want to talk about that. So, like, you know, uh, do you want to keep talking about three and then move on to four? Um, uh, for episode three, we can just talk about that now. Now we're, um, we can talk about finish talking about episode three, which is the most important part, which is the ending with the the um the the prayer circle and then we can talk about episode four because um episode four has some issues but episode four is (laughs) but yeah so we so we can talk about now the prayer circle because um the the, to me that is the most important part of the episode because it's about black spirit that we 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 get we started speaking about black spirituality and black relationships to church and community um like for me when i first watched the episode for the screener i i was scared because again I say I don't I grew up in the Caribbean and we don't play with like spirits like spirituality is a very big thing there whether you're a Christian or not and like when that thing the the, when the the ghost pulled the the blanket off the bed I was like nope turn the computer off and I was like I will watch you in the daytime which I did um but the the ending it was very heartbreaking for me I teared up I cried because at first I was scared because I'm like oh my god these disfigured these disfigured um entities and it was like creepy and everything and then when i when it started to reform and you you realize that these were the people that this this doctor um um tortured and mutilated i called them in my in my recap i called them 
like I compared him to Dr. Mengele. Um, and that's when I started to actually get turned because I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't be afraid of them because these are black people that were tortured and mutilated. They were made this way. And this is about them reclaiming their... But they weren't the ones that were haunting her though. It was him that was being like, get out of my house. Yeah. I think they were asking her for help. For help. Yeah. When it pulled the blanket off the bed that was trained, that was asking for help. Um, so that's when I, that's when I, I started right because I realized that's what had, that's what was happening, that it was them trying to ask for help and they were trying to get justice. And I was like, oh no. And then just the whole, the power of the whole prayer circle, because again, that's something that's so in, um, so intrinsic in black community and in, in the black church where we form prayer circle and we have prayer warriors and we call and we pray to cast out demons and everything. That part was very personal for me. And so I think it was a lot for a lot of people as well on in social media were talking about it. And I think that's the part that really brought home the episode because Journey's acting was spectacular. She was so good in that scene. Just like, if she don't get an Emmy nomination. I mean, here's the whole thing is, you know, being good um, when you're Black isn't enough. Ooh. For an Emmy nom, I feel like if we've learned, we've learned that time and time again, but if we haven't learned that from Pose in MJ Rodriguez and the fact that she hasn't been nominated. Um, I think that like, just because we say it and we believe it to be true and we know that these women are fantastic, um, it may or may not happen. Mm. And that's just real. That's true. And, and, and that's the upsetting, that's the upsetting thing, right? That we have to consider that as a part of the reality where we like the like we for actually being nominated. And even if she is nominated winning, is, is is something that we that's a whole nother level of like you know the fact that viola davis is the first and she's like the you know a walking talking masterclass in acting if that's the um if that becomes a standard right of like you have to be viola davis to win when white women can just be below mediocre and, I, and this is no shade to like jennifer aniston like i'm sure she's fine on that on that talk, whatever show she's on Apple TV, but come on. No, it's true. And so, you know what I mean? And like, and, and so I just say that to say that, like, you know, um, I think that we know she should be nominated. And here's the reality is that given coronavirus and what's coming out, you know, what's being delayed, what are going to be the rules for next year? I think if it pushes more mediocre white actresses out of the running, and that's sad to say, that like you could be this fantastic actress, um, you know, and be on this show and do great work. And it's like, okay, I have to wonder if these mediocre white women are going to be pushed out in order for me to be nominated. That could easily have to happen. I hope it doesn't, but we really need to be clear about how, um, you know, the Academy is and the Emmy Academy and how that works and, yeah, but just off of that, she was fantastic. I feel like this is the role that she was meant to be in. I feel like Journey's been in a lot of things and she's had a lot, you know, a very long career. And unfortunately, we haven't really seen her in things that really showcase her real talent other than underground. But I think that even this is so much more than what we would have expected from her. Mm-hmm. And that isn't and that isn't a dig about her talent. You're only as good as the material given to you. Yeah. Or you only get to show us how good you are with the material. Mm. Um, and I think that this is the most, to me, nuanced um, material that she's had. Once again, next to Underground, once again, thank you, Misha. Um, 
And so I'm really uh, excited to see, but I think she's a fantastic. I can't think of an actress this season that has um, thrilled me more. Mm. I mean, I can't think, I mean, I'm sure there, maybe there's somebody, <laughs> but they don't, but I'm just being honest. Like I can't think of anyone where I was like, Oh my God. Oh, you know what? Viola was really good in the last episode of how to get, okay. Obviously Viola, but I'm saying like outside of her, like who else has been exciting to you? Mm, actually journey is the only person that I've been paying attention to. And the thing is, is like, for me, every episode, she's the MVP. Not only be, not only as Letty, but also acting wise. She to me, she's the most consistent performance wise out of performance wise out of all the actors, and and she knows how she. T- you can see her actually. T- oh, Uncle George is giving you. He was giving you some things. He was giving us uh, him and him and Journey. Um, Courtney B. Vance and Court and and Journey actually play off really well together. Like that. Like their little scenes in episode two where they were taking digs um at each other were really well done and and I, I'm I'm super bummed that he didn't make it past episode two because well, you know he may come back who knows this is what I'm saying I don't know he listen we don't know because my sister asked me are we sure he's dead because he technically didn't really die on screen I'm like and we never saw him in a casket so this is all I'm saying is we don't know he may come back. I do not think that Misha would have cast him just to kill him in episode two. I don't, I don't believe it. They could have just cast anybody else to just be in two episodes. So all I'm saying is I don't believe he's really dead, but I don't. I, I, I've had the thought that Christina did something with him. I don't believe that he's really dead. But whatever. Don't play in our faces. Don't no. give Courtney B for too damn episodes. He, he, he might come back as some kind of ghost or something. I just think we're not done with him. Yes. No. And, that, and so I say that all to say, that's what I appreciate about episode three. I really appreciated kind of this idea of how like medical racism has kind of really um, ruined lives of black people mm-hmm. um, being experimented again, you know, without their consent and horrific um, procedures that would never have worked in any like capacity. Like, like they just didn't make any sense other than you just being horrible ass white people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I for sure think that episode was also, as you mentioned, it's about medical um, racism because as I mentioned, Dr. Mangala, but the reason I also compared him to him is also because one of the victims, one of the spirits was a woman and you can tell she was pregnant and like he, he cut off her breast and like he had taken, like, you can tell he removed the baby and like and messed with the baby. And that made me think of the doctor. They call him the father of gynecology. He's, a, he's just a straight up demon who, who tortured blacks um enslaved black women and he used them as as guinea pigs and as experiments for his medical his medical quote unquote um um experiments and uh, like when i saw when i saw that spirit it reminded me of that and it was like this is again where you can tell misha and her writing staff they are really paying attention to those small details because it's again like that you, when you look at the sports, the references for the um the the athlete, like one of them was a basketball player, and you, t- you think about how basketball players are um only seen for what they can do as mm-hmm. a basketball player. People don't like not like people, especially white people, don't care about who they are as individuals. They just see them as there for their entertainment, for them to be messed around with, right? And it's and it's just all these different things and. 
And then when you see that and you see them actually be able to find a way for, for Journey to bring it together and form this circle to to get rid to to cast this this demon out of this house, the, the person who killed him, for me it was it was just a little bit of justice. And it was very moving to see. I'm like, even be, even in death, they were they were able to get justice mm-hmm. uh, for themselves. So that was important. And that's and again to see during and to see during and this this character lady be a woman to do it, where we know prayer warriors are predominantly black women in the culture. That was also very really strong for me because it was like Dick went and got possessed. I was like, yeah. Yeah, you really we, weakest, weakest link. link, weakest link. Weakest link. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I also, you know, I just, I think this is the possibility of Black horror. And I think that, like, there's just so many things that you can do with Black horror. I think that you can correct wrongs. You can find, give people justice um, fiction, fiction-wise that maybe they would have never have gotten in real life. I think there's so much to play from. I think the fact that those ghosts killed those white boys is hilarious. Listen, um, I didn't even bother to mention Mary. You know, in it, and I just feel like this is the prime example of what happens when you don't, when you, when, it, when you don't mind your business. Stay out of black people's business. If you exactly. just would where you were, anybody call for you? Why? You, why are you up in these people's house? And how you, guess like, what? The ghost, the ghost, the ghost got you. Mm. I was like, I, I saw that. I was like, well. Moving on, you're not important. Yeah. And so, and, but then that also kind of comes into play in episode four because like, we see them going in, in episode four, they're going to Boston to the, for this museum to look for this guy's Titus Braithwaite for clues left by him. And we're going to get into this now because that, that's kind of like the, the tie in for that because like, one of the guys who died, um, he, his body ends up being shown because in they're really after. downstairs in the basement of the house. I'm like, the bottom of the house is a portal. It's part of the museum. It's a portal. I, it's a portal. Like I'm wondering, so there's we've seen four because there's four tunnels. So these four tunnels symbolize four portals. So where are so they? That's how they got home. So remember when old girls in the car, she's like, how did they get home? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know. Yeah, because they got into the elevator and the elevator took them up. So where are these oh, other three know. portals? Going I'm wondering where these other three portals are leading to. I don't know. Ooh. I don't. I mean, for me, I, so, you know, my ministry, once again, is haunted houses. I also grew up on Indiana Jones and was just like, when am I ever going to see some black people have to run across a bridge that's disappearing over like nothing into another thing to find like the right like all of that so like indiana jones um jewel of the nile mm-hmm. kind of all of those things um these adventure kind of stories like you said national treasure you know sadly black people have not really been um the center of those narratives yeah so to see episode four and to see us having this adventure right um to be the swashbuckling kind of you know heroes um i loved it i loved did it make a lot of sense no i didn't know what i was looking at i didn't understand why that white boy's dead body was floating but then i also realized that like this wherever they are this is going to bring them back and here's the whole thing if y'all can watch game of thrones and all that other silly shit, and don't nobody ask no questions and love it, then, like, I can, I can, this suspension of belief, 
I can give this to mm. this show. Because like I said, I watch CP Hollow every week and be like, I don't even understand any of the mythology. None of this shit makes any sense, but I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, it, and that's why I'm going to say, um, it's a difficult, like, like, I, you know, I didn't understand the, the two spirited character. I didn't understand. I got why they were locked in there, but I didn't girl. I don't know. No, okay, so my interpretation of that, okay, so for that episode four, like we, like, as you said, it takes place in this museum in Boston, and it's, it's showing that Tit- Titus Braithwaite was, like, we, as we found in episode, episode two, he was a slave trader. So one of his things, when he went to the Caribbean to, sl- to trade slaves and to um, rob them, rob the country of everything that he could get them, is, like, he met the indigenous tribes, and, like, you know, like, they always talk about this book of Adam and the language of Adam, so they needed someone to translate the book. And oh, right. And okay. why he went there thinking that someone in Guyana, because like he was said she's from the land of many waters, which is Guyana, because Guyana is literally translating into land of many waters. I will, however, mention that I at first thought they were Native American because I thought that land of many waters was a reference to all the lakes. Like, hey, was she not Native? She's indigenous. Um, so she's Arawak. Because I did some research for my recap. And so for my research it was revealed that she's indigenous Arawak from Guyana. So like two-spirit, so a two-spirit is, that is a, a, that's a part of the indigenous community, like Native American First Nations and some, and some um, indigenous tribes in like the South, in South America and the Caribbean, where to, what is now referred to as two-spirit, whereas they had different identities. So like they could be either non-binary, what we would say is non-binary, or they didn't identify as either being male or female, and that has also to do with spirituality as well. So that's what that character, so that's who Yahiwa is. Um, but I, but the way how, so they introduced this character to say that Yahiwa was used as an interpreter for. Um, right, 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 right. And then, okay. okay. But the reason it really upset me because of what happened to her, like, like Montrose kills Yahiwa. And he does it in the most brutal way. And I hated that. I'm like, first thing first, you have, this is the first time you have a two-spirit indigenous character from South America on national TV in a primetime show and you're going to bring them on for 10 minutes and have them violently killed by this black man who you're later going to reveal in episode 5 to be. I'm like, the optics of this people, the optics. But then also, I was just upset that they couldn't find another way to, if they felt they needed to write the character out to take her to yeah to it didn't have to be so violent um, no or just not introduce him at all because i'm like if take could understand Yahiwa, that means he should have been able to read the darn scroll so they didn't even need to have that character there he could have simply saw the scroll and be like oh, no i think I he could speak it. it but he couldn't read it that was the difference they could have done they could have just done something. i mean like i don't i don't particularly know you know that scene never sat well I didn't like it at really? all. I and I think it doesn't sit well with a right with a lot of people. Mm-mm. And I think it's this tricky thing, right? Of like violence to trans people happens every day. Yes. And you know, you can't rewrite history. Or it, it, how can I say this? It's just very tricky because on one hand, you want to portray reality and the reality is that violence happens amongst trans folks. But then, the, but then the other part of that is, well, then why does it always have to be violence? Mm-hmm. Why can't we show something different? Exactly. Why can't we show something um, that shows also reality, which is people thriving? 
and living and being real heroes and, you know, um, you know, solving the crime, solving the mystery, um, leading the way that violence and death, while violence and death is, uh, trans people are more vulnerable to that, um, than cis folks that isn't always a reality for all trans folks. And then I think that there is a way to have trans folks, trans folks on screen that isn't always about trauma and death Mm -hmm. violence. And so, you know, um, I think a lot of us were really uncomfortable because it was like grand opening, grand closing. Why did you even bring her out here? Exactly. And it was a funny killer. You know what I mean? And so like, I feel like, I think that was bothersome, but I also didn't really see how that character would live because every time she opened her mouth, the whole world, everyone, like, she was screeching and everyone's ears were bleeding. I wasn't really sure how that was going to work out either, but you ain't had to kill her. Yeah, um, he would just live as a, as a person who's mute. And, 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 that's, and, and that's not impossible because there are people who, who live who are mute and they survive and they are able to right. communicate with other people. So they, they right. could have shown that this is the way for people like this who are disabled because also, no, we don't have any representation for people who are, dis- who are disabled in this show. So that this could have been a good opportunity to have shown. And I don't, and here's the thing is that like, even if this pays off, mm. and I put pays off in quotes, like even if, Montrose killing her makes sense in episode eight, nine, or ten. Um, it's really never going to make me feel okay. Um, you know, and that isn't to say that like we can never show a trans person being killed. You know what I mean? I know that when Candy died on Pose, people were really in their feelings. Mm. Um, and you know, I feel it. Like I hear it. Like I hear that complaint about that but I think that Candy's death also was a part of reality and I think it was well done and I think that like whether people have issues with her being killed because you know uh, Candy being killed is one of the only dark-skinned women on the show you know that also is an issue but to be honest I feel like she's the strongest actress and I don't necessarily think um that if they'd killed off maybe someone else, that that performance wouldn't have been as strong. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree because- You know what I mean? Because like, you know, Angelica is a powerhouse. Um, mm. And you know, it is sad, people have to die. And I think that when you are a marginalized community that already faces all of this violence in real life, your on-screen deaths carry so much more weight mm-hmm. and they and they trigger so many more people. Um, as you are in the audience witnessing the death and the murder of these marginalized characters. And so it means more to us. It hits us differently. Um, I don't want to say let's never kill people on TV. I think there's just ways to do it. There's ways um, to do it. Yeah. And, and, and I have it, and I'm not sold yet about this character. And also I don't feel like there's any consequence for Montrose in the next episode. So it's like, oh, you get to come out. Oh, you get to be happy in the club, living your best, like, you know, I'm I'm coming out moment where you get to feel like a whole human being. Like, like, Like for once, you get to feel like you are home as a queer Black man 
and yet you've killed this two-spirited character, this indigenous character with no consequence. At all. And that's, and that's, that's, what, and that's what really gets you because it's like, is there any guilt? I mean, even though he doesn't really say much all throughout episode five, like he's very quiet. Yeah, that's the thing, because um, the thing with Montrose is, that's why I said this, what happens in episode five is actually going to, actually, I think for a lot of people make what happens in episode four even worse, because they're going to be like, so you're going to have this man, this, this gay man, this man, this black man from a marginalized community just kill this other person who's also from a, mar- a marginalized community. And again, and not even marginalized, because again, again to spare is I'm actually a phrase that only started being used, I think it was from 1992. But the point of the matter is like this person, this, this, this person that he just met, who's looking, who's literally looking at a second chance at life. And he just slits their throat saying, I'm But so I don't think he's like, part of it. I don't, one, I don't think he's looking at her like that. Why? Well, I, I, I don't think so from the perspective, like, for, like, as from, like, people are going to look out for the writers and how they did these two things. And they're going to be like, so I'm, they're, they're going to be like, so are we supposed to overlook this because he's gay? I don't think you're supposed to overlook anything. And I think that that is the thing. Is I don't think that anything negates anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything weighs anything down. I don't think anything explains. I swear to God, these motherfuckers outside. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that any of these things like weigh each other down or negate anything. You know, I mean, I think that like you can be a gay man and still be a goddamn murderer. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And you can be an out gay man or you can have this like amazing experience of finally feeling at home and still be a shitty father who beat your child. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that is something that I still really appreciate about the show, even though, like I said, I'm not okay with what happened, but I think it gives, I feel like they don't, the writers don't judge the characters. It's up to, it's up to us as a viewer to make those distinctions. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, like, everyone is messy. I love Letitia, but she, like I said, her life can bullshit. She's selfish. She's a fucking um, uh, leech. You know, didn't even go to her damn mama's funeral. Girl. I don't care how bad your mama is. At least show up for the wake. Mm-hmm. At least bake a piece of bread, some cornbread, something. Help people out. You know what I mean? He's, I, um, I just think there's just so much. But I think that if, I think Teak also isn't perfect. I think he's very territorial. Like, you know, like, nigga, calm down. You know, like, you don't owe nobody up in here. Yeah, he's very uh, territorial over um, Letty. Letty. It's like, so you're wrong. And if that dude hadn't told him that she was, that, that maybe somebody, Letty was with somebody else, he wouldn't have put her, he wouldn't have taken her in that bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to say real quick about speaking of sex scenes. I feel like I've seen a lot of people be really mad that old boy has sex with Ruby on the steps talking about, oh, it wasn't comfortable. And it's like, you know what? Let me just say this right now. Like, I think that like, one, I hear you. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't comfortable. (laughs) But did you have anything to say when Tick was banging the shit out of Letitia on that side? bathroom scene. Uncomfortable. That sink could have broke. No. Oh, I don't know if y'all have fucked on a sink. It's not comfortable. So all I'm saying is that, like, I think that there's something to be said about letting 
black women have these very like different sex lives and we're normal and we're used to like seeing on screen that and not just seeing on screen but it's it's one thing when when a white director can direct Halle Berry in Monsters Ball mm-hmm. that's a very different thing than watching Victoria Mahoney or whoever was in Victoria Mahoney direct um Ruby, you know, the character of Ruby on the steps. Hmm. Those are very, very different things. But also the thing is because as we know, the the title of the episode is called History of Violence. So that's that's that scene on the stereo is a direct reference to the film itself. But I think it was actually, I think to me, what that what that scene was about was to show like how there were so much in the moment, like they didn't even care if they made it up to the bed or made it to the floor. Exactly. They, they were just like on the stairs. And the reason that was uh, that was good to me was because we very rarely get to see dark-skinned, bigger, bigger dark-skinned women be seen as sexual beings, being like someone so all all about them and one just wanted to just wanted them that they were like, I can't wait for the bed. I- I can't even wait to take you up the steps. I need to fuck you right now. You're on the Right now on the wood because you are, I'm so into you. Yes. And I think that's that Like, you can't talk she had on the costume costume designer because she's been having, um, she's been having my girl looking right and tight every episode. Praise God. Everything is snatched. I think that, um, and I think that sometimes we have, I feel like sometimes we as black people, whether you're from, whether you're Mississippi black, whether you Caribbean black, Mississippi black, plantain black, crumpet black, like, you know, Aussie black, you know, like I feel like, you know, there's a lot of black. And I think that sometimes um, we're so used to always being disrespected on screen mm-hmm. and through the white gaze that we've become to a place where now we only see ourselves through the white gaze's limited interpretation of who we are. Yes. That it's, it, 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 it's really sad. It is. Because, because it's played... No, because yeah, for, for people's automatic reaction, because I saw like some Twitter people like, oh my gosh, and thing. I'm like, my, my reaction wasn't negative. The only negative reaction I had to that was because we all know William A. shit. But I'm like, apart from that, I'm like, you got this fine. Because I'm like, the actor is good looking. This good looking, muscular. He's giving me Eric uh, True Blood vibes. Like, yes. Okay, yes. I'm, I'm like, you got this man loving upon this fine. Boy. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck him. That woman, and I'm like, give it to me. I wish this team was a bit longer. That's what I wish. I would have I wanted to see some more pumps. I would have wanted to have seen some more legs in the air. I wanted to have seen to be honest, I would I would have liked to have seen more reaction from William's character. Mm. I would have loved to have seen, I would have loved a couple, I would have loved to have seen some more. I wanted at least 10 more seconds. I'm like, just give me like 10 more seconds. I I want some more pumps. I want some more, I want some biting of the lip. I want, I mean, you know, we've been in lockdown. I've been in quarantine by myself. So I think that like, I need a little bit more than people who live with their partners. I need a a little bit more. I need a little bit more. I just wanted more Ruby and we're going to see a bit more of that in episode five, but we don't really, we're going to get more like the whole laying in bed, draped in a sheet kind of thing in episode five. I want, I'm like, I give me some sexy scenes. I want some more. I want some, I don't want some after we fucked, after glow. I want some actual fucking 
Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm like, she be because like I'm someone on Twitter and I mentioned on Twitter, I'm like, listen, William may not be the best option, but he's the only option she get. And my girl deserves some sexy time too because she's been having a rough day. She's been having problems at work. She, she been got having problems shitty, with her sister. She got this shitty light skinned sister who I'm just gonna mm-hmm. keep saying it. Um, you know, now she gotta live in the hostel or wherever. I don't even know where she's living. Hmm. You know that's true. It's never said where she goes after she leaves. Um, because he's like, oh, just stay, whatever. She, um, I, I going forward, we get more of Ruby because Ruby is an amazing actress. Like episode five is her episode. God damn it! And well, I want more. Here's, I want here's more the thing her. with episode five is that really it's half and half. It's half and half. That white woman. From episode two, mm. that is in it, and I would be—I wouldn't be shocked if that white woman in episode two gets an Emmy nom. Before she did a really good job, she did do a good job. She was really because she, she got that girl mannerisms down to a T. She told that girl to that to put some lotion on because she was ashy. I said, "Wait a minute." Like, oh, black lady, she's been hanging around. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they were both really good because I think, yeah, she's a great actress. Whoever, whoever the white woman is, uh, I don't know her name. She's she's fantastic. I think together, it's funny because together they have this kind of um. What's it called when, like, you're symmetric, but no, this symbiosis? Sym- uh, symbiotic. Um, symbiotic. Yeah, they have this this thing that even when you know it's not her, you think it's her. and You know what I mean? And, they, like, they sell it. They sell that, they sell that so well. And I think that's also one of the reasons episode 5 is going to blow people away. It's just the acting. Not only the story, but just the acting. Because the way how she, just the way how they each play off of each other. And I would love to see the two of them practicing those scenes i would have lo- i would love to see how they you know how I they would love to see together because that would be yeah I would, I would love an interview with the two of them that's really yeah. good i didn't I even love to that. i would love to see the two of them in an interview together because well, I, I would love to see images of cheryl who's the director cheryl dune done either dune or done i don't know how to pronounce last name but i would love to see some videos of her directing them and like what what did those like conversations and the thing is that like tv and film are very different like you know sometimes tv directors don't have all the time to like sit and like really with the actors that much you know what i mean like it depends on the show um i'm wondering how lovecraft is different Hmm. you know what i mean because a lot of times directors come in you know, they get to have moments, you know, you do a table read, you do the whatever, and then, like, the director is done. Like, they don't have really anything to do with, like, the editing process. Whereas if you were directing a film, the director is there from the beginning to the end. Yeah. So I'm really interested in, like, I would love to know, like, Cheryl's process. And I don't know, who, and I don't know who's interviewing her for episode five. I mean, I have too many things to do. I just can't. But I would love, I can't wait to read what people are doing with her because I really want to know what the process is Mm. for this episode because you know I think that people really don't give horror enough credit I think that people think that horror is not real acting it's just just ah ah and it's like nah like everything that you're getting from uh episode five is really prime acting Yes. And I just really would love to like 
know the process. And you know what? I'm thinking about it. I would say there's four people because it's Wunmi, the actress who plays Ruby, the other, the white lady, is also Christina and the actress who plays William. Because those four individuals and those four characters, they have to make sure that each time they do a scene, that it makes us buy that that's who they were before and after. Because if you think about it with with regards to um, William and Christina, everything that William says, if Christina says something, we have to remember, because this is going to come on, everybody's going to find out William is Christina. Wait, are they the same person? They're the same person. She's taking the potion. She's taking the potion. But so then here's my thing is so so then here's okay, so here's so this is what I also like have an issue with. Is that the bitch took the potion and was fine, episode one, two, three, and four, or whatever, and didn't like break apart. Why episode five? Like, does something about the potion not work? Did she not take the right amount? Like, I just want to know. I'm wondering. Or was that on purpose for a reveal? I'm wondering. I think it's for a reveal, but also because Christina's been doing it so long, she's kind of, like, accustomed to it. But I I think, and I also think it also may have to do with Ruby and, and and the other Ruby being two completely different races. Because they don't like, because like, think of it, Christina and William are both white and blonde. No, they're both very similar looking. No, but I'm just saying that why did Christina break so quickly? Why couldn't she control it at the end of episode five? I think because she wanted to show Ruby the violence of it, because Ruby can't see herself when she's transforming. Right? So I think she did it to let Ruby see what it looks like. I don't know. And it was also I, tell you, I, don't I think it's also for the shock value of it too. Like it's for it's the viewer. Cool. It's for the shock value. But I'm always that person that's like, make this make sense. Yeah, I'm the same way. Cause I'm like, there's things that happen. I'm like, that don't make no sense. But, no, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just wondering like why it happened like right now. I mean, here's the thing is that once again, sometimes it just is. Maybe it is tiresome to pretend you're two different people. But my whole thing too is like the bitch is still magic. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know. No, no. Uh, episode six. What? Well, how that? I was just like I remember. I was literally watching it because I had gotten the screeners a while ago, and I just got really busy. And one Friday, I was oh, like, "Holy oh, God, we we going over an hour." So we gotta wrap this up. Oh, we, sorry, gotta, we gotta wrap it up. No, no. I mean, um, just the recording part, and we can still keep chatting because we gotta keep chatting. No, 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 no. So <laughs> I'm just saying that, like you know. Um, I was like, wait a minute. I was texting Rebecca the whole time I was watching um, the first five episodes. And, and like, uh, we got to episode five and I was like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like, there, wait a minute. Um, it's crazy. And the only time that you sort of see them in the same scene, but not really, is maybe episode two where Tick and them are trying to drive and escape. And there's a moment where people get out of the car and like you see the dad and then maybe you see William and then all of a sudden Tick turns around and you see Christina and you never see William again. I have to look at it again, but they were never in the same shot. They just happened to be at the same. Didn't they get out of the car together? No. You have to look at it again. Well, yeah, but we know that they're, they're one and the same now, but 
I'm over it. I I don't I I I I have not processed it yet. Yeah, no. For I I clicked for me. It clicked immediately that they were one and the same because to me it made sense for a character like Christina because I'm like she's this white woman trying to be white woman and always trying to be getting into white people white men's face because she want to be one of the boys. She wants to show I'm just I'm just as good as you white men. So for her being William, that makes perfect sense because this is her way to get into their space. But for her to also be a villain. And to her to use her white womanhood, where she says to him, you know, you can't go around pointing guns at white women, Mm. is peak white feminism. It is this idea that I am a victim of sexism. I want to be taken seriously, but yet I'm going to weaponize my white tears and my white femininity and my bullshit and, and, and oppress you. It is amazingly like because um actually the actress during comic con the actress was on the lovecraft panel that I, I brought up she does she does say that she straight up says christina's horrible she's like she's a karen she's like she's like she said she's like, that's what she said she's like karen she's like she's what we call a karen now but she's just a horrible white woman and she's like you may understand some of her motivations in the fact of like misogyny and sexism and all this but she's like that. I was, I was like, I was glad the actress was bold enough to say that. She was like, she's a horrible white woman, and she uses her white, she uses her whiteness out of and her privilege. And she's going to use these black people to get exactly what it is. Exactly, that she and that's what it is because she's trying to try. Because the thing with Christina, she's trying to justify what she does by saying, "I am also a victim of white men's supremacy." Look at me, like, oh, bitch! You are not because you're using your you getting me to their space just as good as anything is. But look, you are a white man. And here's the thing is she doesn't want it. She doesn't want equality. She just wants what white men have. And I think that this is what, to be able to have that power to oppress. And she actually already has the power to oppress. Exactly. She's doing it because like how she manipulated um, Letty, Uncle George, and take in the mansion where she was manipulating their dreams. And I'm like, you are a villain in your own story. You don't even know it. Wait, wait. And speaking of which... The Asian actress is coming back in later episodes. Yes. So we're going to learn. Yes. We're going to learn more. About, but anyway, I feel like we've talked about so much. Man, listen, I don't know. I don't know. I think one of, at the end of this, we're going to have to do a whole, just a, a long day discussion. Because this is one of those shows where there's so much to talk about. But um, yes, we will have to do another recording for um, maybe episode five and six. Because I am really excited for episode six. Because... I don't know what next week is going to be. And you know what I love? So first of all, I've been definitely waiting for Sunday to happen. Obviously, this is going to go up after the episode airs. This is, and we're recording this the day before. But I have to say that I feel like I've been waiting for weeks, Mm. you know, over a month for to kind of like see how everyone else is going to be talking about episode five. So I feel like, I feel like this is something that is like, to me, this is like Super Bowl. It is. It's kind of. It's like it's like Black Horror Twitter Super Bowl because I feel like there's so little to look forward to uh, with the quarantine, and, but I feel like this is something. And since and to, and also to say that because so many shows get the whole season gets dumped at a time, it is really very rare that as Black people we get to have these weekly things anymore because. Like I said, so often on Netflix and Hulu, sometimes everything just gets dumped at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really been a minute um, that we've been able to, like, you know, Insecure, obviously. Uh, yeah. Not a minute, but Insecure was definitely one of those moments. Um, but, you know, I love Insecure, but I love Lovecraft a little bit more. It gives, it's more in my interest. And so I feel like 
Um, but whatever, to have these Sundays with Black people on Twitter is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. And I feel like HBO has really played such a part in me feeling okay about being quarantined because I feel like every Sunday we have this. But I say this to say, Sunday is Super Bowl for Black people. I feel like I have been waiting to see how people are going to respond. And I am excited to share uh this moment with everyone else and just to really kind of like have this moment together because people, like I said, people are going to shit on themselves because the question is like, if you could be white, if you could be a white woman, would you? I wouldn't. Damn. I would wash. The first thing I would do is wash her legs, wash them properly for the first time in her life. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like I just, I couldn't imagine wanting to knowing what I know but I also don't judge Ruby for wanting to no, that's the thing have that, have that moment yeah you know what I mean and so I'm just I think this is gonna I think that people may be in their feelings um and I can already see that and I'm and I'm anything is that like I want for people to not like it and to be in their feelings because I think that like if we all just like the same shit and we don't interrogate anything then we really don't then we're not having a real conversation but that's the thing um so like we're gonna wrap it here but like for me this this episode in particular because it discusses so many it has there's layers there's levels to this so there's there's like 10 layers to this because there's colorism there's fat phobia there's misogyny there's massage noir there's the whole thing of wanting to be black. There's uh, things about here, acceptance. Like there's so many layers to this one episode. And it's just like, and who you are in this moment. Exactly. To play a factor into how you can relate, not relate. Would you want to, would you not? And, and um, I, I want to see what Ruby's doing. That's what I think this episode, if they were to ever nominate this show for, based on what we've seen so far, episode five is the episode they should use for their Emmy nomination. Not episode one. Episode one is a great introduction to the to the to the to the story and everything. But episode five is where all, everything that they've discussed so far hits home. Whether they're talking about um the the slave trade, talking about racism, they're talking about um ancestry. So much of that plays into the episode five, and it's just in this one character, Ruby. Ruby is such a complex character. I can't wait for. People well, I think to- the show will put themselves in different things. I feel like I don't know like what does it mean. How many, if you want to put yourself in for best drama, do you have to put in, submit three or four episodes? I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. But I think that obviously five is the strongest. Mm. Um, and I think that like, if the actress Ruby wants to be nominated for an Emmy, I definitely think three, I think, I think four and five is her best bet. It is. I think for Journey, obviously episode three is her best bet. Um, maybe episode one and episode three. So that's what I'm saying is everything gets different. Yeah. In terms of writing, episode five, definitely, hands down. Directing, episode five, definitely. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. Um, so we're gonna so we're gonna wrap up and so you can tell everyone where to find you on social media and find your writing and anything that you'd like to plug or announce. Um yeah, so uh I'm on Twitter. Um uh, my handle is Kelly N T. It's K-E-L-L-E-E, N is in Nicole, T is in Tom. Um and I guess you can just Google me. <laughs> I don't know if you want to know where I write. Uh, I've been writing a lot lately for L.com in the culture section. Shout out to Julie Cozen 
uh, my fantastic uh, editor. Um, I also write for Zora. Shout out to Christina Tapper, my fantastic, uh, an amazing editor there. Uh, I've also written for Shondaland. Shout out to Brittany um, Daniel, who's fantastic. Uh, I think that's the shout outs I'm going to give so far. Okay, so, great. yeah, find me, find me on Twitter. I'll be drinking rosé. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. And you can find me at Carrie CNH12, C-A-R-R-I-E CNH12 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find my writing and uh, in my Twitter bio and in my pin, my pin tweets. And um, I mean, so when this comes out, TIFF will be over. And yeah, so you can look forward to TIFF coverage going forward. And um, my recaps on comicspeak.com for Lovecraft Country and other announcements for So Here's What Happened. You can find, follow our podcast, sorry, our Twitter, the podcast Twitter account at SWH underscore POD and also on butwido.com and butwido podcast on Twitter as well. So that's it, everyone. Stay safe, have a good time and enjoy the craziness of Lovecraft Country. And wear your mask. Thank and you. wear your mask and wash your hands. Yeah. And the backs of your legs. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you're saying this here. Thank you so much. Okay, so that's let me see.